Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. If you received a bulletin today, you received a handout. I'm starting a series, maybe some interruptions in it, but I'm going to entitle this series called Helping the Hurting helping the hurting. I believe that we can have crowded pews and lonely people. We can can have the Holy Ghost and we can still get our feelings hurt. We can have the Holy Ghost and still have some bad habits, some things that we've never gotten over. And over the next several weeks, I'm gonna share a few of my hangups, my hurts, maybe even my bad habits that hopefully will help you to realize that we've got some growing up to do and some healing to take place in our lives and we still need Jesus. We still need Jesus. Isaiah 57 and verse 18. And this could, uh, if you don't mind, I'm just gonna change one word because I think it's meant to be personal. I have seen your ways and I will heal you. I will lead you also. I will restore comforts unto you and to those that mourn with you. And then James chapter one, verse 14. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed and lust when it is conceived brings forth sin and sin when it is finished brings forth death we all struggle with lust different kinds of lusts but this is the formula for LSD lust and if it's not checked it will lead to sin and it will lead to death. So in this series, I'm gonna talk about helping the hurting, and you might be one. Jesus, I pray today that every person within the sound of my voice will be touched today, will be open, will be honest, will hear what they need to hear from you and receive the help that they need in Jesus' name. God bless you, you may be seated. One day a father, on a Sunday afternoon, wanted to take his Sunday afternoon nap. But his son wanted to talk and wanted to play. So the father had to come up with an idea as to how he could get his son to do something that would occupy his time and his attention so that he could take this nap. So he just happened to be looking through the newspaper and he saw a picture of the world big old globe and countries on it. And and he decided, hmm, I'll cut this up. So he took a scissors and he cut it up and he tore it into 40 or 50 pieces and the young boy couldn't possibly know where all of these countries were, much less even the continents. And, And so he said, son, he said, I want you to put this world together for me and when you're done, we'll, we'll play together. 
The boy said, okay, dad. So he started to play with it. And the dad started to doze off. And after a few minutes, the boy said, dad, I'm done. I've got the whole world put back together. And the father said, you couldn't possibly have put all this back together. How did you do this? And he said, well, dad, he said, I noticed on the other side, there was a picture of a man. So I just put the man back together and then the whole world came together. <laughs> See, if we can just get our lives back together, we're not gonna change the whole world. I hate to burst your bubble, but we are not gonna reach six billion people. But we and Jesus gotta get some things worked out. And then we'll have a different view of the world. We're not gonna change our government. We're not gonna change our country by ourselves. We do what we can do. But we need to be more concerned about our souls than our economy and our possessions and what we can acquire. What is a man, I read it in my bread today, what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So I'm gonna ask you, if you don't mind, to get in a cubicle today. I don't often ask you to do this, but, but get yourself in a small cubicle. Don't look at anybody else today. Get a mirror out and say, God, speak to me about me and me only. Because if we can get ourselves put back together, the world's gonna look a whole lot different. Now let's help the hurting. We all have hurts. Anybody here ever been hurt? Anybody here ever had bad habits? Ever, anybody ever had some hangups you just couldn't seem to get over something? Well, then we're talking to everybody to hear today. But God says, if, don't take that call. If you're confused, I'm here to lead you. If you feel helpless, I'm here to help you. If you feel all alone, I'm here to comfort you. If you're worried and you're afraid, I'm the Prince of Peace. God wants to help. And we all need recovery. Recovery from our hurts, our habits, and our hangups. We've all dropped the ball. Brought a football today. I know some of you are still hurting. Remember my, my word, gooey, G-O-I, get over it. That's over, you're not gonna change it. But I brought a football because you need to know how to carry the ball. That's the number one thing. I remember hearing about Vince Lombardi, the first thing he did when he became the coach is he held the ball in the air and said, gentlemen, this is a football and it must be protected at all times. 
And one of the first things you're gonna learn as a running back is that you put the ball, your hand comes around the top of it, and the, the bottom part goes into where your elbow would be except on the front side. You are taught, listen, this will all work spiritually, you are taught to hold the ball tight and high. Tight and high. The reason is, is that the other 11 guys want to take the ball from you. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He is out to defeat you. He is not happy that you have come to an altar and repented of your sins. That did not make him happy. He was not happy when you were baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. He did not rejoice. And when God filled you with the Holy Ghost and gave you his greatest possession, himself, he was not happy with that. And he's out to steal, kill, and destroy every good thing that God has given you. So you hold the ball tight and you hold it high and you keep it in your possession. But let's be honest, we've all dropped the ball at one time or another. You see, the reason you're taught to hold the ball tight is because people are punching at it. And if you hold it out here, somebody from behind can come from behind you that you don't see and knock it out. Hold it tight and protect it. And when the ball is dropped, and it will be dropped. Oh, come on now. We've all dropped the ball. It will be dropped. We must recover the ball. We must recover. We don't just quit. We admit we dropped the ball. I'll tell you how to defeat the devil. Admit it. I dropped the ball. You know, I, since we're on football a little bit here today, I remember the Miami Dolphin game. How many of you remember the Miami Dolphin game? Focus on good things, folks. <laughs> but I remember the end of the game, the quarterback dropped the ball. He fumbled the ball. But one of his teammates came along and jumped on it. And they retained possession. Anybody preaching with me today? Even your best player can drop the ball. And even an insignificant lineman can save the game because the ball has been recovered. Some of you are looking at this ball and saying, is it deflated? <laughs> yes, it is deflated. But I had absolutely nothing to do with it. <laughs> but here's my point. When you drop the ball, pounce on it. Get a hold of it. Hold it tight and keep it high. And move on. Move on. Realize we all drop the ball sometimes and, and we do need recovery. 
and I, I want to say this. I'm just, this is just a plug. It's not the only reason, but I want to I say this. I really appreciate a ministry in this church called Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is a great blessing to abundant life. And I know you're not, you know, we try to keep these things confidential, but I, I probably attend half of the meetings, and I enjoy myself every time I'm there. And this past Thursday I was there and they had a speaker and that speaker did a tremendous job. Said things that I was just so glad to hear. Can I give you just a couple? Throw a little couple nuggets at you. Maybe this will help you because it really, it really blessed and helped me. One of the things this lady said was she said, my response is my responsibility. How many of you have ever been offended? You are, if you haven't, you will be, okay? But my response to the offense, that's my responsibility. I can't do anything about the offense. The offender is the one that offended. I need to bring it to their attention and try and work it out. But my response is not their responsibility. It's my responsibility. And another thing she said was, she said, if you're, if you're driving from San Francisco to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and you have to go through Wyoming, and your car breaks down, and you have to get that car repaired before you can drive it again, you don't go back to San Francisco and start over. You leave from Wyoming and continue your journey. Now for a simple guy like me, and I am really simple, that really made sense to me. We've dropped the ball. We don't have to go back to San Francisco and start all over again. We need to pick up from where we left off and proceed to our destination. Abraham sought a city whose builder and maker is God. We're headed for heaven. We may drop the ball, we may break down, but we're gonna get fixed and we're gonna recover and we're going to move forward. We're going to move forward. Praise God. Now, here's who I'm talking to. You'll notice, again, in your bulletin today, the question on there says, what do I need to recover from? Let's, now again, we're in our cubicle and we're looking at our mirror, okay? Looking in the mirror. Do I struggle with any of these things? Do I need a recovery from any of these things? You get to fill out your own report card today. Overworking, overeating, alcohol and drugs, overspending, Grief, guilt, anger, fear, divorce, abuse, sexual addictions, codependency, insecurity, perfectionism, hypochondria, hurtful relationships, gambling, procrastination, and the need to control. And if you couldn't have said one amen to any of those things, then the last one will cover you. 
Liars. We struggle with this stuff, folks. We deal with this every day. But on Sunday morning, how do you like my suit? I shaved. I got my deodorant on. I took a shower. My foo-foo juice is called Jake. Sister Honey bought it for me. I'm looking, man, you wouldn't think I got a problem in the world. Everything goes my way. Look at this suit. I've had this suit for probably 10 years. I'm sure glad it fits. <laughs> but I got problems. I got stuff. The difference between you and me is I smile. I might fake it better than you do. We got problems, folks. In this world, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. You think it, it just comes at the tribulation period? It comes every day. And we gotta learn to deal with it. We gotta learn to deal with it. Now, let's start here. What do I, what do I need to recover from? Well, answer one. Step one in recovery is I need to realize I'm, I'm not God. That's the answer in the blank. I'm not God. Now, one of the greatest problems that we have as Christians is we still have to deal with pride. And this is a greater greater problem for men than it is for women. Women have a different set of problems. Men have a different set of problems. That's why God brings us together in marriage because my wife needs to help me with my problems and I need to help her with hers. But they're distinctly different because we are the opposite sex. Okay? But we really struggle with pride. Now, it doesn't mean that women can't be prideful. They can be prideful too. But we don't like to admit weakness. We don't like to admit that we need help. But we do. We do need help. That's why one of the great things about your relationship with God is even when you got pride, you can go to God and talk like you're a child. You know, have you noticed that, that you do that? In your prayer time? I do it all the time. I tell God that I'm weak. I tell God that I'm hurt. I tell God that I'm struggling. I tell God how much I need him. But I don't do that with men. Very, very, very seldom will I open up to somebody and say, man, I'm really, I'm hurting. Because I don't want to be a complainer and a whiner and I don't want to admit I'm weak. But humility will really help you on the road to recovery. It'll help you. I need to admit that I'm powerless against wrong things, 
that I do. And I'm not very good at managing my life. I'm not. Remember what I've told you this before. One day I looked in the mirror and saw what I was and I said, God, here's my notice. The guy in the mirror is fired. You've done a pretty poor job. You're fired. And Jesus, you're Lord. That's where it starts. But there's, there's a lot of pride to work through. That's why it's so hard to come to the altar for men. Come to the altar and get on my knees or come to the altar and lift my hands or come to the altar and admit that I have a need. I can't do that. Pride. Pride. But inside, every one of us is just a scared little kid looking for a big daddy. It says, God, you're big enough. God, you're strong enough. But at the same time, you have to admit that you're not. And that's how you get on the, get on the road. To re- Even Paul said it this way. Romans seven fifteen. That which I do not, for that which I do, I do, I allow not. That what I did, that I do not. But what I hate, I do. Now that's a lot of confusion. What it means is, The things I say I shouldn't do, I'm doing them. And the things I should do, I'm not doing them. The things I once loved, I now hate. And the things I once hated, I now love. I hated going to church. I love going to church. I loved sin. Now I hate sin. What's happened? But I still struggle with my decisions. I'm still tempted in all points. Can anybody say amen? Amen. We're still tempted. Now can I throw this in? It's not in my notes, but temptation is not a sin. It's yielding to temptation that makes it a sin. I'll get off that. Number two. What's the cause of my problem? The cause of my problem, this is answer number two, is my sinful nature. That's my problem. Paul said, I know in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. No good thing. Matthew, or excuse me, Genesis 25, 23. The mother goes to God and says, hey, I'm having a lot of trouble in my pregnancy. What's the problem here? Here's what God says to her. Two nations are in your womb. Two manner of people will be separated from your bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. Now we know that this has to do with Jacob and Esau. And that Esau was born moments before Jacob. But here's why I've read this scripture to you. If you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you now have two spirits living inside of one body. One of them came by your invitation. That's the Spirit of God. And that is the younger of your two spirits. The elder of your two spirits is your flesh. 
You cannot cast out your flesh. I wish we could. I remember one story of two preachers sitting on the platform and one preacher turned to Brother Cole. It was happened to be Brother Cole. He said, and a woman came through the back door. She was a very attractive woman. And, and the pastor said to Brother Cole, you see that woman coming through the door? And he said, yep. He said, she's got a devil. And Brother Cole turned to the pastor and said, if she's got a devil, that ain't no problem. We can handle that in five minutes. But if it's just flesh, you're going to have that for a lifetime. Because you can't cast out flesh. You can't. And most of what happens is not demonic. It's just flesh. It's just attitudes. It's a negative spiritual influence that causes us to make the wrong choices. The wrong, the wrong choices. And we're going to wrestle with this. And I'm, I told you I'd be transparent, so I'm going to be transparent. Bad thing happened to me this past duck hunting season. I've told you that one of the problems I had before I came to know the Lord was anger. I was like a volcano. I could blow up on people. I could curse people and try and make them feel small. And I got in lots of fights. I'm embarrassed about it, and that's all I'm going to say. But when I came to know the Lord, that was just gone from me. It was just like he just came in and took it out of me. Because he, re he revealed to me that I'd never be able to overcome that. But a bad thing happened this past duck hunting season. We must have had 12 or 15 guys up at, the, up at the cottage this year. We were hunting ducks. And when you go duck hunting, you try and get there a day early and you get your blinds out in the water and, and that lets everybody know that somebody is hunting here. So if you had plans of hunting here, the first one that gets their blind up, you're just gonna have to go somewhere else. That's called sportsmanship, okay? Just being a good sportsman. Tree stands for deer hunting, same thing. If there's a tree stand there and they got it up before you and it's public land, well then you gotta move. So my boys, I won't mention any names today because I don't wanna embarrass anybody, but my boys are duck hunting in the bay and we're coming in on a, on a Sunday morning and we hear this chatter and these boats have come and got almost on top of their blind. They're hunting blind. Now they're hunting with 12 gauge shotguns which have a pretty good amount of range. And these fishermen came and got real close to these guys and we understood that they'd been taunting them while they're fishing. My son is driving the boat and so he comes up and they must have thought he was coming too fast and so they swore at him. And I lost it. I got angry. They cursed my son and they taunted the boys and, and you don't mess with family. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that goes for the family of God too. I, if, if, if you want to know my weakness, here it is. Talk bad about the church. 
And I'm not just talking about my immediate family. I'm talking about the church family. Well, you know, this is what I don't like about this church. I'm already on edge when you say that. I'm already ready to defend. Even though I know we're all imperfect. But family. Hey, I hope I'm not justifying myself here. I'll come back to that. But Jesus said, if you offend one of my little ones, it'd be better for you that a millstone were hanged around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. That sounds pretty protective to me. So that's probably how I justify my anger. And pretty soon there's a shouting match going on and they're doing talking and I'm doing the talk and my son has got his hand on me. Dad, calm down. Don't, don't argue with you can't deal with idiots like that. Just leave them alone. Don't say anything. Don't say, I'm angry though. I'm mad. I mean, you. So they call the cops. Yeah, we got these guys out here. They're hunting with shotguns and they threatened our lives with shotguns. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And finally the police come and everybody gets to tell their side of the story and the cops just throw up their hands and say, well, it looks like you guys had an argument. Nobody got hurt. No, no harm, no foul. And we're out of here. But my day was ruined because I felt like I had been a bad example. I, I had fallen back into an old habit. Habits, hangups, and hurts back to an old habit of getting mad at people and shouting and I didn't cuss them, right? The 12 or 15 of you know that I didn't cuss them but I'm embarrassed about that. I'm still embarrassed and that's months ago. It takes a while to get over that stuff but you gotta learn from it and you gotta realize that you gotta be on guard because you're gonna wear this flesh as long as you live. So how do we recover? Well, recovery has three, has three steps. Three questions that we have to ask. I am getting over it, pray for me. Uh, I'll learn from that. I'll listen to my son better. Thank you for trying to calm me down. I'm just so glad that my son-in-law wasn't there. (laughs) I'll just stop there. (laughs) Recovery has three steps. Question one, what is the cause? What is the cause of my problem? What are the consequences? And most importantly, what is the cure? What is the cure? For any of the things, the 20 that we read to you earlier, what is the cure? So let me give you some answers here. Item B, answers three and four. By denying our humanity, this is the cause, and trying to control everything for selfish reasons. That's the cause. The cause is you're human. You're fleshly. And you want to control everything for your own selfish reasons. 
we begin to play God. We play God. Do you remember the Do you remember the Garden of Eden when the first temptation came to mankind? See, if you eat this, God knows you'll be as gods. We want to be God. We want to be in control. You know what humanism is? Humans are God. That's the theology of humanism that's being taught in our public schools. You are your own God. You get to make the rules. You're not accountable to anybody but yourself. Well, then you're God. And and how do we play God? How do we prove that this is really our problem? We try to control our image. Remember, this is where I began the message. How you see me at my best, we try to control other people's lives. You know, the greatest distraction you can have is to be a finger pointer. I know what your problem is, Jacob. I know what your problem is, Kyle. I know what your problem is, Brother Smoot. Really? You don't know anything about me. That was another thing we learned the other night. We don't even understand ourselves. How can we understand other people and know what they're thinking and what they're going through? We make judgments on a few outward facts. And we try to say, well, I'm gonna try and fix them. No, we need to take the beam out of our own eye. We try to control our problems. I can fix this. I can fix this. God, go help somebody that's got a big problem because this little thing, I can handle this. I can fix it. Really? Is that why you toss and turn at night? Is that why you look like a whipped puppy when nobody's looking? Because you can fix it? I don't think so. I don't think there are very many things that I can fix. So you, you all laugh at me when I say I'm not a very handy guy, but I can destroy things and I can burn things and you know, I can get rid of it that way. And you all laugh at me. But you know what? You're the same as I am. There's a lot of things you can't fix. Can you fix your marriage? Can you fill yourself with peace, joy, and righteousness? Can you supply all of your needs if you have, no matter how many hours you work in a week? There's a lot you can't fix. And then we try to control our pain. I can endure it. Hey, I'm really glad to hear about the ladies and men's fasting that we're talking about here. And one of our targets, by the way, this is just a side note, one of our targets is Marge Franklin. Praying and fasting for a move of God, for healing, signs, wonders, and miracles in our church. Jump on this fasting, join us. Join us. Because there are things that are out of our control we can't control. What are some of the consequences, four consequences 
of trying to play God. This is answer number five. A, fear. When Adam realized that he'd been tricked by the devil, what did he do? He said, I was afraid. Don't play God. I was afraid and I hid myself. Do you know what people do when they're offended or they're hurt or or they got guilt and issues that they're dealing with? They pucker up. That means they tighten up and close. He was afraid, so he went away from God. That's the worst thing you can do. And that's the thing that Satan always wants you to do. Hey, you're hurt, you're afraid, you're in trouble. Do not go to church. Do not get around those Christians. Stay away. Become a cave dweller. It's the worst thing you can do. The second thing we do that we deal with is frustration. We're trying to fix it, right? And we can't. And we get frustrated by that. And then the third thing that happens to us is we get tired. We're tired all the time. We're, We're fatigued because we've spent so much emotional and physical and spiritual energy into something and we can't fix it. So we're frustrated by it and we're, we're fatigued by it. And then finally the fourth thing is we feel that we're a failure. We feel that we are failures. Proverbs 28 and 13 said, he that covers his sin shall not prosper. Whosoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Do not enter into denial or become God's handyman. You can't fix it. He can. If he can create it, he knows how it's supposed to work. He can either fix it or replace it. He'll give you a new heart and a new spirit. But he's the only one that can. That's why we need to go to him. So the answer... Number nine on, ver- on six, the cure, is to admit that I am powerless. I don't have what it takes, but God does. This is 2 Corinthians 12, nine. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So Paul came to this conclusion, if that's the case, then most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, mercy is when I don't get what I do deserve, but grace is when I get what I don't deserve. Well, God will give me his grace if I'll get my life together. No, Don't try and put the world together. Come to God with your torn up, broken pieces and let him put you together. That's what'll work. Let's stand together. We need God. And we need our teammates.
You say, well, I'm not, I'm not hurting so bad. Well, then it's your turn to help somebody that is. You know, you just don't come to church for what you can get. And, and I, I want you to get everything you can every time you get here, but you also ought to come to church for what you can give. So I leave you with this story. Grandpa wanted to take a nap one afternoon. We began with a nap, we'll end with one. And Grandpa had a big old mustache. And the little boy knew that his grandpa was a sound sleeper because he snored so loud. So he waited for Grandpa to get to sleep and went into the refrigerator and he took out some Limburger cheese. He took the Limburger cheese, very gently he put it on Grandpa's mustache, right underneath his nose. After a few minutes, Grandpa woke up and he said, something in this room stinks. He got up from his nap and he walked into the living room and he said, and something in this room stinks. He opened up the door and he stepped outside and he said, my God, the whole world stinks. <laughs> what stinks is right under your nose. It's your attitude. It's your spirit. But Jesus is here today to help the hurting. And if you and I will just humble ourselves before God and talk to him like a child would talk to his father, and if we just be sensitive to one another's needs and as family members gather around one another every once in a while and pray for one another, we could all be helped while we help the hurting. Jesus, I pray today that by your spirit you will draw people to this altar an altar of honesty and humility. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.